So this morning, um, I entitled this sermon, um, Dig Your Wells Before You Go, Before You're Thirsty. Dig Your Wells Before You're Thirsty. You know, those who are successful in life are usually those who prepare ahead of time. You know, there are some who may excel later um, in school who did not apply themselves when, um, when they was much younger in school. But I would suspect that the majority of those who excel later on in their schooling or college, whatever, are those who prepared themselves much earlier when they were younger. They built a good foundation. And also, there are some who um, may be successful at starting a business who may not have prepared themselves when they were younger to run a business. But once again, I would suspect that the majority of those who are successful in business today are owners who uh, prepared themselves many years prior or earlier and to become a successful businessman or woman. So some prepare and succeed and some don't prepare and they may still succeed. But in life, depending on the road that you travel, a lack of preparation could be what we call fatal. It could be fatal for you. Uh, when men uh, began to explore this world, I would only imagine that they learned quickly, learned very quickly, um, to dig wells before they got thirsty. And some parts of the world, of course, like in the Great Lake regions, which we find ourselves, there is abundance of water, right? You have the lakes themselves, you have rivers and contributaries that fills the lake, so there's plenty of water. But in other parts of the world, water is pretty scarce. It is scarce. It's not as abundant as it is here. Therefore, any experienced explorer would have, I would imagine, would have not waited until their water ran out, if you will, uh, before they dug a well or before they made some type of preparation to have water uh, sometime later on uh, during their, their journey. If a man waits until he, he drinks his last cup of water to go try to dig a well to get more water, he probably would die of thirst digging for that well or digging that well. And if we think about it, the same idea applies to us in our spiritual lives. It applies to us in our spiritual lives. There are times um, we are spiritually thirsty or when we need to be filled spiritually. But if we wait until such a time to dig our wells, if you will, we may find it to be too late, too late. Therefore, we need to be digging our wells now as children of God. Whether you are a younger person or you're well up in your years, we need to be digging wells. So, the need for wells. We read in Acts chapter 17, 30-31, Because he hath appointed a day, in the which he will judge the world in righteousness by that man, whom he hath ordained, wherefore he hath given assurance unto all men, in that he hath raised him from the dead. Once again, Acts chapter 17, verses 30 to 31. <clears throat> there is going to be a day of judgment. The day of judgment is coming. 
the entire accountable world will find themselves being judged. And that means, of course, you, and it also includes myself. And every person that can understand the gospel uh, will be there, and no one, no one will be able to escape that judgment. The Bible says, but why dost thou judge thy brother? Or why dost thou set and not thy brother? For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. For it is written, as I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me, and every tongue shall confess to God. So then every one of us shall give account of himself to God, Romans 14, 10 through 12. And also in 2 Corinthians 5 and 10, it says, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that every man may receive the things done in his body, according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad, 2 Corinthians 5, 10. Everyone will stand one day before the judgment seat of Christ or the judgment seat of God. And every knee shall bow. Of course, some people are willing to bow to Christ now. I imagine that's many of us, well, us here today. Unfortunately, most people in the world are not willing to bow to Christ. But there will be a day. There will be a day when they will not have a choice but to bow. And every tongue shall confess. Some refuse to confess Christ today. But on that day, people will not have a choice but to confess. And finally, before God or before Christ, we shall all give account for whatever we have done in the body, whether it be bad or whether it be good. For some, it will be a day of judgment or salvation, excuse me. And for others, it will be a day of condemnation, which is very sad to consider. The scripture says, Then shall the king say unto them on the right hand, Come, ye blessed of the Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world, Matthew 25 and verses 34. Then shall he say also unto them on the left hand, Depart from me, ye cursed, into the everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. Again, Matthew 25, but verse uh, 41. Those on the right hand, they will be those who are blessed of the Father and who will inherit the kingdom that was prepared for them before the foundation of the world. On the other hand, those who will be found on the left hand will be cursed and shall have to depart into everlasting fire, a place that was prepared for Satan and his angels. But to wait until the judgment, of course, will be too late for anybody to dig their wells. If we find ourselves spiritually thirsty or empty on that day, it will be too late. Next, times of temptation. The Bible says, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. That's 1 Peter 5 and 8. But every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed, James 1 and verse 14. For from within, out of the heart of men, proceed evil thoughts, adulteries, fornications, murder, thefts, covetousness, wickedness, deceit, lasciviousness, lasciviousness, excuse me, an evil eye, blasphemy, pride, foolishness, all these things, all these evil things, excuse me, come from within and defile the man. That's Mark 7, verses 21 and 23. The Christian life, I think we can all agree, is peppered 
with what we would call temptations. There are those temptations which we would say that comes from without. You know, the Bible tells us that Satan is our adversary. And we often can be tempted in one way or another by those who, if you will, are servants of Satan. That can be personal contacts that we have. And, of course, we have media such as television, radio, and movies. Of course, now the Internet and goes on and on. But also, there are those temptations that come from within. It comes from within us. That is, our own lusts or desires that we may have deep down within. Therefore, temptation should not be taken lightly. No temptation should be taken lightly. Well, why? Well, temptation can lead us into sin. And sin, of course, is deadly. We all should understand, as the Bible tells us in Hebrews chapter 3, verses 14 and 13 or thereabout, sin can deceive and the heart can be hardened. And we do not want our hearts to become hardened. Not at all. Therefore, um, do we have wells to quench our spiritual thirst when we are tempted? Do we have such wells? And then there's a period of tribulation or period of pressure or persecution or troubles. The Bible says, these things I have spoken unto you, that in me ye might be, you might have peace. In the world ye shall have tribulation. But be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. John 16 and verse 33. And then Acts chapter 14, 21 and 22, it says, And when they had preached the gospel to, the, to that city and had taught many, they returned again to Lystra and to Iconium and to Antioch, confirming the soul of the disciples and exhorting them to continue in the faith and that we must through much tribulation Enter into the kingdom of God. Once again, Acts chapter 14, 21 and 22. As we know, the Christian life is not always easy. It's not always easy. Jesus himself warned the apostles. He says, in the world, you shall have tribulation. You shall. Basically, it's like a promise. And Paul said, he warned the disciples. He said to them that we must, through much tribulation, enter into the kingdom of God. Of course, you know, trials or tribulations may, that we may face can come in various or diverse forms, right? They're not all the same. The Bible says, Yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. So because a person simply following Christ, that person will suffer because of it or can suffer because of that. Other sufferings because uh, um, other suffering because we share in the frailty of life. What do I mean by that? Well, many times, you know, oftentimes we get sick, or sometimes we get sick. Right? There is sickness in this life. There are pain. There's pain, and of course, sadly, there's death. But also, there's there's economic pressures, such as recessions or or a loss of job. Right? And then there are sufferings that come from other individuals like terrorism, uh, wars, and, and then there's, of course, like natural calamities like we have had in this country, uh, across the country, like a lot of rain and floods and so forth. So, therefore, we need to be prepared for um, the drought. In other words, we need our wells to be dug ahead of time before such tribulations or problems occur. The Bible says in Isaiah chapter 12, verses 1 through 3, 
He says, In that day thou shalt say, O Lord, I will praise thee. Thou, though thou was angry with me, thine anger is turned away, and thou comfortest, comfortest me. Behold, God is my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid. For the Lord Jehovah is my strength and my song, and he also has become my salvation. Therefore, with joy shall ye draw, uh, draw water out of the wells of salvation. Out of the wells of salvation. That's Isaiah chapter 12, verses 1 through 3. So Isaiah spoke about wells of salvation. If we, so for next, I'm going here. Next, let's dig, digging our wells. We find in 1 John 4, 9 through 10. And this was manifest the love of God toward us, because that God sent his only begotten son into the world that we might live through him. Herein is love, not that we love God, loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. First John 4, 9 through 10. And he said unto them, Go ye into all the world, preach the gospel to every creature. Mark 16 and um, Mark 16 and 15. And then we have Colossians 1 and 23. If ye continue in the faith, grounded and settled, and be not moved away from the hope of the gospel, which ye have heard, and which we preach to every creature which is under heaven. Wherefore I, Paul, am, a, am made a minister. Colossians 1, 23. So the well for judgment. First, we must focus on what God has done. We need to focus on what God has done. What did God do? Well, God loved us. And no one, of course, deserved the love that Christ or that God has given unto us. Neither you or I deserve that love. God sent Jesus, of course, Jesus being his only begotten son. He sent Jesus that he might, uh, that we might live through him and through him only. And Jesus became the propitiation for our sins. After Jesus paid for our sins, of course, God sent the good news. He sent the new good news to the world, the gospel. It's to be preached, the Bible tells us, to every creature, if we will, to every ethnic background, to every person we see, the gospel needs to be preached. And by this gospel, there is hope. By this gospel, there is hope. Notice these words. Therefore, let all the house of Israel know, surely that God hath made the same, the same Jesus, whom ye have crucified, both Lord and Christ. Now when he, they heard this, they were pricked in their heart, heart and said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins. And ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost, or the Holy Spirit. For the promise is unto you and to your children and to all that are afar off even as many as the Lord our God shall call. Acts 2, verses 36 to 39. Fear none of those things which thou shalt suffer. Behold, the devil shall cast some of you into prison, that ye may be tried. And ye shall have tribulation ten days, <clears throat> but thou faith, but be, be thou faithful excuse me, unto death. And I will give thee a crown of life. That's Revelation chapter 2 and verse 10. 
So God has given the gospel, which gives hope. Therefore, we must focus on what we must do. We must hear the gospel. And of course, we must listen to what we hear. We must let it prick our heart. We must allow it to touch our heart, to move our heart. Closing our minds to what we hear, closing our heart to what we hear will not help us. Therefore, we must obey the gospel. And having obeyed the gospel, we need to uh, have dug a well for the judgment by doing so. But we must remain faithful. We need to remain faithful if we want our well um, we don't want our well to go dry. Now, question, have you dug your well for the judgment? And does it still have water? The scripture says that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might uh, by, the, by his spirit in the inner man. That's Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 16. And then we can find in Galatians chapter 5 and verse 22 and 23. It says, but the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, long suffering, gentleness, godliness, goodness, excuse me, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such things, there is no law. The well for temptation. Once again, first, we need to focus on um, what God has done. God has given his spirit to help man overcome. He has given his spirit to help us to be overcomers. He gave his spirit to strengthen us within our inner man. And he gave his spirit that man might develop Christian character. That is the fruit of the spirit. Also, God gives us the family to support us. He gives us, uh, he is, first of all, the loving father. First John three and one. He gives his children or he gives us brothers and sisters, 1 Timothy 5, 1 and 2. And of course, he gives us Jesus to support us, our supported advocate. And then the Bible says in, be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess, but be filled with the spirit, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. That's Ephesians 5, 18 and 19. And then we read in Colossians 3 and 16, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your heart to the Lord. Once again, Colossians 3 and 16. So God sent his spirit and placed us in his family. But what must we do? Well, the Bible tells us that we must be filled with the spirit. Now, how are we to be filled with the Spirit? Well, we are filled with the Spirit by allowing God's Word to dwell in us richly. That's how we are filled with the Spirit. Being filled with the Spirit and letting God's Word dwell in us are one and the same. That's something we should understand. Compare, if you will, Colossians 3.16 and Ephesians 5 and 18. They're talking about the same thing. Next, we need to develop and strengthen our relationship with members of God's family. The Bible says, seeing then that we are a great high priest, that we have a great high priest, excuse me, that is passed into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. For we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted 
like as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly um, unto the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in times of need. That's Hebrews chapter 4, verses 14 through 16. And then, take heed, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief, in the parting from the living God, but exhort one another daily, while it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. For we are made partakers of Christ if we hold, hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast unto the end. That's Hebrews 3, 12 and 14. And then we have 1 John 1 and 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all excuse me, unrighteousness. That's 1 John, again, 1, 9. We need to commune with our Heavenly Father in prayer. That's the part of developing our relationship in good times and bad times. We should learn to pray like the Bible says in 1 Thessalonians 5 and 17, to pray without ceasing. We should pray when things are going well, and we, of course, should pray when things are going bad, especially in times of need. We are to come boldly, the Bible tells us, before the throne of grace that we may obtain the mercy that we need in the times of our need. Also, we need to commune with one another. The Bible encourages us to exhort others. It encourages us to um, to be exhorted. And finally, we need to repent and to confess our sins. Of course, if we have sinned in private, that is something we need to deal with in private. But if we sin in a public manner, we also need to make acknowledge that sin in a public manner before God and before his people. And... Um, but so the question is, have we continued to dig our wells by staying in God's word and in fellowship? Now, the Bible tells us rejoice in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing instant in prayer. That's Romans 12 and 14. And then we have blessed be the God and father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundance mercy hath begotten us again unto a living hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled, and that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you, who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time, wherein ye ye greatly rejoice, though now for a season. If need be, ye are uh, ye are in heaviness through manifold temptations. That's First Peter one three through six, and then um, Romans fifteen and thirteen. Now the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace, and and believing that ye may abound in hope through the power of the Holy Ghost or the Holy Spirit. And then Second uh, Corinthians one three through five. Blessed be God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort, uh, who comforted us in all our tribulation, that we may be able to comfort them which are in any trouble, by the comfort wherewith we ourselves are comforted of God. For as the suffering of Christ abound in us, so our consolation also abound by Christ. Second Corinthians 1, 3-5. And then a few more. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words, First Thessalonians 4 and 18. Wherefore, comfort yourselves together, edifying one another, even as also ye do. 
1 Thessalonians 5 and 11. And then, now we exhort you, brethren, warn them that are unruly, comfort the feeble, the feeble-minded, support the weak, be patient toward all men. 1 Thessalonians 5 and 14. So, the well for tribulation. First, first, focus on what God has done for us once again. God has given to us hope, and hope um, that gives joy. A joy that can exist even in the midst of our tribulation. That's what God has given us. A joy that can um, exist during problems, during troubles, and this hope is not limited. And we can abound in this hope. So, God has given us brethren. They can comfort us. Brethren are to comfort the feeble-minded and we are to support the weak. Now, 1 Peter 1 and 13. Well, excuse me, go to Romans 15 and 4. It says, For whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning, that we through patience and comfort of the Scriptures might have hope. Once again, Romans 15 and 4. And then there's Hebrews chapter 6, 10 through 12. It says, For God is our, uh, our for, excuse me, for God is not unrighteous to um, forget your works and labor and love, which ye have showed toward his name, and that ye have ministered to the saints and do minister. And we desire that every one of you do show the same diligence to fulfill assurance of hope until the end, that ye be not slothful, but followers of them who through faith and patience inherit the promise. That's Hebrews 6, 1 through 10, and then Hebrews 10, 24 and 25. And let us consider one another to, to provoke unto love and to good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as ye see the day approaching. Hebrews 10 and 25, and finally, uh, Hebrews 13 and 1, let brotherly love continue. So God has given us hope and brethren, but what must we do? Well, first, we must uh, nurture and strengthen our hope. And basically, we nurture our hope by staying in God's word. The hope that we have, we nurture by staying in God's word. Not when we get the time to do it, not by, not every now and then, but I would suggest the Bible would encourage us to be in God's word daily. We can read Joshua chapter one, verse eight, and you can read Psalms chapter one. We need to be in God's word daily to buoy our hope. Also, we can prepare for the tribulation by, or troubles or afflictions, by nurturing and strengthening, strengthening our brothers and our sisters. How? Well, we minister to them. We help them in time of need. We support them in time of need. And we assemble together. We exhort one another. We encourage one another. And let us remember God's law. God's law says in Galatians 6 and verse 7, you shall reap what you sow. So in other words, I believe when we encourage and exhort other people, that same type of encouragement is more than likely to come back to us when we find ourselves being in need of encouragement or, or hope, if you will. Or what conditions, what conditions are your wells in today? That's the question. 
If you were to face the judgment today, how would you fare? If you were to face temptations today, would you overcome those temptations? If you were to face tribulations today, that is to say pressures, persecutions, trials, whatever, would you endure them today? If you would stand faithful in the judgment, if you will be one that will overcome your temptations, if you are one to endure your tribulations or your trials or the pressures of life, keep doing what you're doing. But if you would not stand in the judgment, if you would not are not able to overcome your temptations, if you're not one that's able to endure the tribulations that come or the troubles or the pressures that come in your life, you need to come back to the Father if you are a member of the church. You need to repent. You need to confess. And make sure your well is not dry. I don't perceive that there's anyone here today who is not a member of the church. So if there's anyone here today who find themselves in need to uh, respond to the invitation this morning, I would encourage you to come forward uh, to receive prayer from the church. As we stand at this time um, to sing this song of invitation, number 642, I am resolved.